Welcome to the Misfit Messengers podcast, hosted by Jenny Moffat and Amanda Hoshite. So, welcome to another episode of this fabulous little podcast thing we got going on. I'll tell you, Amanda, we gotta we gotta get a little bit ahead, but uh, we'll we'll get there. Life this month of March. I don't know about you, but the month of March has felt like um, three months already. Yes, and um, I always. For some reason, expect spring to be slower after Christmas. Yeah, and and before camps, and it's just never is. And I don't know why. I assume no. that it is going to be different, but it never is. It never and is. It feels like this year has gone by so fast. But I, yes, I swear, every week it's its own month in February. I don't know, or what even March? It's March now. Yes, but February felt um, similar, like. It's maybe a little less hectic than March has been. Um, but I think sometimes it's just the amount of stuff that, that kind of happens in one week, right? feels like it should have been a month, but it was actually just seven days. We got 30 days worth of stuff done in seven. <laughs> or at least it felt like it felt like we got 30, 30 days worth of stuff. Anyway, clearly our lives are busy and there it's not unusual. I'm sure that many of you who are listening also have busy lives like we're not alone in that um our lives might be busy in a different fashion than some of you but busy is still busy um but i still make time uh to go to the lake with my dog um mostly because if i didn't he'd cause all sorts of mischief at home <laughs> but anyway i i made time to feed my dog so that's that good was... that's good hey you okay. have a fenced in yard so that helps <laughs> I do not have a fenced in yard. A lot. My uh, my dog the on the walk today found a found a cat in the neighborhood, so that was fun. He likes oh. to chase cats, so that was fun. Cardio. Anyway, <laughs> um, we could talk about uh, lots of unrelated things, but I want to get back into Luke uh, chapter fifteen. So, just as a recap for those of you who might have missed the last few episodes, I highly recommend going back and looking at those that uh, reference Luke 15. So you can kind of get caught up on what we've already talked about with Luke 15, but there is a plethora of just absolutely deep, amazing things within the, the parable uh, parables in Luke 15, you have the, the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost sons. And uh, just as a kind of a recap of the audience for these parables, when Jesus speaks them, isn't just, his disciples isn't just the sinners and tax collectors he's having meals with. But in point of fact, Luke 15 starts with the Pharisees getting grumpy about the fact that Jesus does dine with sinners and tax collectors. And so Jesus shares these parables um, a little bit as a uh, judgment, if you will, or, or definitely a, a, hey, Pharisees, just so if you want to know why I actually sit down and eat with sinners and tax collectors, I'll tell you. Because there's rejoicing when one when a lost sheep is found. There's rejoicing when a lost coin is found. There's rejoicing when the lost son is found. So, wow, that's the that's a you know pretty good summary, right? Where we're at. Right, I'm for it. So we are in, uh, like I said, Luke 15. Um, we just covered the first couple verses in the law, parable of the lost son. I always add the S to that now. After having done this lengthy study uh, in this book that we're kind of basing some of this information from is called The Cross and the Prodigal by Kenneth Bailey. 
But I now say the parable of the lost sons, plural S, because they're both lost. Um, it's not just the younger son who is lost. The older son is lost as well. He just doesn't know it. Uh, similar to the idea of the, the sheep in the first parable wanders off, right? But the coin is lost in the house. So in the parable of the sons, you have one that wanders off, but one who's lost in the house, right? So, yeah. And, um, oh God, I had a thought. <laughs> it's been a long morning for me. It has been a long morning. No doubt about that. Yeah. And, um, as we get into this, um, talking about the lost sons, there's one that stays lost. Yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, what, we, what do we do with that as well? Absolutely. And not I the think, one that you'd think sometimes. Right. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, you know, we do often. Uh, and yeah, forget that some, some are not found because they don't know that they're lost. And that's hard, super hard. But let's, uh, if we go to 13, verse 13 of chapter 15 of Luke, it says that not, well, let's, let's go back to the first part of the, the parable. That way we're all on the same page. Verse 11 of Luke 15, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. And we're going to pause right there. So the younger son, as you talked about last week, he wants his share of the estate, but he doesn't want his share of the of the inheritance as the, mm -hmm. the word inheritance, because he doesn't want his share of the responsibility. He just wants the cash. And he goes uh, off to a, another country. And he, it says it squanders, he squanders his wealth and wild living. Now, uh, the older son, we find out down the road, accuses him of, of, you know, spending the money on prostitutes. This is not what mm -hmm. wild living means. Um, in the Greek, it means extravagant living. As mm. though, almost in the sense, according to Kenneth Bailey, that he threw large, elaborate parties to try to encourage uh, friends, right? Like he threw mm -hmm. these big parties to try to earn friends. And I'm sure it worked for a while. <laughs> and it probably worked for a while until all the money's gone, right? Mm. Um, and so once, once the money's gone... He, all his friends, you know, the, probably only friends because he spent large amounts of money on these big parties. Um, now he has to hire himself out. And 
you know, obviously for a Jew, uh, feeding pigs is not ideal because pigs are considered unclean, right? So mm-hmm. this is a, this is a horrible job for, for a Jew. And it's likely that the guy who he hired himself out to didn't even want him. Like, um, well, and I've heard other people say too, because he doesn't get paid for his labor. So he might even be paying off, you know, trying to borrow to keep up his lifestyle might've borrowed from this person could be, and is now having to work off a debt because he's not even getting right. Yep. Even the pods that the pigs are nothing. He's just completely destitute. Yep. I don't know if it doesn't say that, but, I thought that was an interesting thought on that. And then I want to point out in verse 17, when it says, when he came to his senses, this is not a phrase that means he repented. Okay. Mm -hmm. When he came to his senses, let me um, see if I can find. Oh, biscuits. I'm looking for the thing. Well, when uh, another way to, to translate that, when he came to himself, uh, when he like when he kind of woke up from, if you will, not actually waking up, but like realized mm-hmm. the situation he was in. Right. It, this is an not. Evaluation. Any... Go ahead. An honest evaluation of circumstance. Correct. A lot of people say that this is when he repented, but it's actually not. It's when he realized that he was lost, perhaps, but he hasn't necessarily accepted being found yet. He realizes, you know, my father's hired men eat better than I do. Maybe I should go be one of them. And so actually his plan is to go back to his dad, not as a son, but to go back to his dad, hoping that his dad can convince one of the tradesmen, the skilled workers to to hire him on, as it were, as an apprentice so he can learn the trade so that he can get jobs and pay his father back. That's what this, this whole phrase is. Um, make me like one of your hired men is he wants to be an apprentice so that he can mm-hmm. earn back the money that he, he thinks he needs to repay his dad with. Mm. So how can I earn my way back into my father's good gracious graces? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the speech that he's giving. That's this or the speech that he's kind of practicing in his head uh, because he's hungry. Right. He, he's not mm-hmm. going back to his dad because he is sorry for his actions in the sense yeah. that he's repentant. He's sorry for his actions because of the consequences thereof. And then he has to deal with the consequences. Right. Mm-hmm. But it isn't because he's like, oh my gosh, I need to go back to my dad because he loves me and he's going to care for me. No, that's not his mentality. He's, I need to go back to my dad because he's got the resources to get me hired on to learn a trade because he doesn't know a trade. I mean, if he's out there feeding pigs, anybody can feed pigs, right? You don't have to you have to be trained for that. You don't have to have, be apprenticed to a, feed, a pig feeder to, to learn that <laughs> trade, right? Um. But you do have to be apprenticed if you want to be a carpenter or a builder or a craftsman mm-hmm. in some fashion. Um, those are skills that require training. And that's what he's that's what he's looking to do is become a tradesman. That's now, good one of the things that we don't think about because we, you know, we're 21st century 
Americans, 21st century Westerners, is what first century peasant life would have looked like specific to the village, the village community life. And so when he gets up and goes to his father, um, he's thinking about all the things that are going to happen when he returns to the village. Um, He had, because of his actions already, he had kind of cut himself off from not only his father and brother and family, but also from the village. He goes to a far country. He goes among Gentiles, as it were. Um, You know, a citizen of of this other country who had pigs clearly wasn't a Jew, right? Mm -hmm. Jews would not have had pigs. Um, And so the village is not going to receive him back well or at all (laughs) because he he squandered all the money his dad gave him and he didn't even do it among jews right he did it among others like other other countrymen right gentiles and far off lands yeah yeah so one of the things that um the author of the the book says is that there is even to this day this kind of if you will, ceremony that takes place among villagers when one of their people has gone off to a a foreign country or foreign land and squandered their living and they try to come back to the village like penniless that the villagers who will see them from a distance away because that, I mean, everybody's Uh working outside. You're going to see them coming. Right. It's not like, well, especially in first century, it's not like they're driving cars up to the, up to the village, right? They're, (laughs) they're walking if they don't have any, you know, if they don't have any other means of transportation, donkey, horse, or camel or whatever. Um, So this son is walking back to the village and I'm, I guarantee you the time, the whole time he's thinking about, oh my gosh, what's going to happen when I get back to the village? Well, in first century peasant culture, the villagers would have met him at the edge of the village with a big clay pot. And they would have smashed this clay pot in front of the sun. And it was a ceremony, if you will, called Kazaza. I think I'm saying that right. But it basically, there you go. If you say it with enough uh, confidence, people, oh, sure, that's exactly how it is. Um, (laughs) But it's it's basically a, a very outward, symbolic thing that just as I've smashed this clay pot into hundreds of shards, hundreds, hundreds of pieces, so you have, you know, been cut off. Your relationship with us has been broken because you went off to this other country and squandered your living amongst Gentiles. And now you, you have no part of us, but that doesn't happen because we read, if we keep reading in the story it says, but while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now, there's a whole lot going on with this with this one little verse. Uh, the father runs to his son, which, you know, a lot of people have heard this preached, heard this talked about. It was unbecoming of a grown man in this culture to run. But this word run is more than that. It's actually, it's actually the word to race, as though he sprinted to his son like he was running a foot race he was sprinted to his son why well i think one of the major reasons he did it is because he wanted to get there before the rest of the village Mm -hmm. so that the village could not break the clay pot in front of him 
And by mm-hmm. running to his son, which was again culturally massively shameful, disgraceful, he's taking upon himself, the father is taking upon himself any disgrace that should be aimed at the son. Mm-hmm. And takes it upon himself as the dad. In addition, so he's filled with compassion, runs to his son, throws his arms around him and kisses him. Now, the kisses him is a, is a word that doesn't just mean like, so it's it's a greeting in Middle Eastern culture, right? Where you kiss on both cheeks. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where culturally he's kissing him repeatedly in a very fatherly affectionate way. Like, I am so happy you're back. I'm so happy that you're alive. I'm so happy that you've returned to your home. Like it's an overwhelming joy response. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, when when yeah. So and another thing that always points out to me is like so he returned home and and his father was the first one in town to see him coming, which made me think, you know, and I've heard this talked about before too, but that he was the only one watching for him. Yeah. Right. Most people kind of just wrote him off, like, all right, well, that guy's done with us, you know, he's gone off to do wherever. Right. But he was um waiting for him. Anticipating. Right. Or hoping for his return. Absolutely. So that, yeah, he was the first one. And I love that racing thing. Um, Because that can happen in, in, in reconciliation and regular things. Other people get involved. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it just gets can get really messy. Yeah. You know, especially when other people are hurt on your behalf. Right. Right. <laughs> Like I, I think that the villagers here feel like they have to step in and and help the dad out. We'll get your son. Don't worry about it. We'll mm-hmm. we'll take care <laughs> of him. And in point of fact, the father, like, no, 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 you misunderstand. You 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 don't have it right. Like, I'm gonna. This son is my son again, because mm-hmm. really his actions, the younger son's actions, in a typical scenario he should have been cut off like you are no longer part of this family you are no longer part of this village you are done like we have broken Mm -hmm. ties never to be reached never to be you know reconciled and yet the father breaks all of the you know unwritten rules of culture and society at that point and says no 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 he came back he's returned i've He's going to, I'm going to reinstate him. In fact, if we keep reading, um, the the son then says, the son says to the father, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, and we're going to stop there. Did you notice that his, that his speech isn't quite what he had practiced when he was in the far country? Mm-hmm. Now it has been argued that, oh, it's that way because the father interrupted him. And I, I think that there could be another explanation. It could be that the son, upon returning home, seeing the absolute crazy extravagant love the father just bestowed upon him by preventing the villagers from causing him strife, that the son doesn't have the rest of the the ask in him. Right. Mm. Ask him for more. 
essentially. Well, yeah, he's he's not just, he's not even going to make the ask of make me like one of your hired servants. Like, I've sinned against you, Father, and I shouldn't even be called your son. Mm-hmm. And he just he stops because he realizes how. Like, think about what happened to the father in this whole scenario. It wasn't that the father, that the son broke some kind of law, right? The son Mm -hmm. broke the father's heart. Right. Because the son, by by his actions, and the son didn't know. Sometimes we hurt people unbeknownst to us because we just don't see it, right? Mm Right. I you know yeah. I don't know that the son was trying to hurt the father by his actions, but he did. He's yeah. Dead. We talked about this a little last week too. I think he just was just wrapped up in himself. Yep. Just. Yep. And you know sometimes I don't know about your dad, but when I thought about my dad as a child, like that guy was invincible. Yeah. Like it seemed like nothing ever bothered him, and we had hard times. Yeah. And he always just seemed to be cool with it. Now I know because I was a child and <laughs> right. Yep. You know, and I was just wrapped up in what I was own doing that I didn't think about his feelings. And it could be something like that. He just was so yeah. my dad always is, you know, he's he's got his stuff, everything, you know, he won't miss it, you know. And and not even considering, oh no, he's another person with feelings. Right. That's part of maturity too, is like realizing, right. oh, all these right. other people also have feelings, huh? Who'd have right. thought? Right. <laughs> well, and and being able to have the maturity to to maybe put yourself in somebody else's shoes. I distinctly remember back in kindergarten. Okay, this is going to be silly, but we had a test in kindergarten. Did you have this test in kindergarten where we had this like this this these blocks on a on a piece of paper, um, like triangle and a square and a cylinder or whatever, and like. You would look at it and you'd, you'd pick the picture of what you were looking at. But then you're like, then they'd put, put like a doll or something on the other side of you. What does the doll see? And you wouldn't, oh, be no, able to turn the, you wouldn't be able to turn the thing. It was to try to see if you were capable of registering what the other person would see who's across from you or to your side. Right. I think and, you went to a smarter kindergarten than me. Well, and it could be that they, I mean, I don't know. I, I distinctly remembering it happening in the kindergarten room. I guess it might not have been kindergarten. I might've been older and they brought, brought us into the kindergarten room. I don't know. But I remember like really at first, like, okay, if I was them and I was like, you know, how you turn your shoulders and like, how, how would it be? But I think, okay, could we extrapolate that out for a second? Sure. Like sure. that's a very rudimentary kindergarten way to look at it, right? But mm-hmm. but I think of like a four-way stop when you're the one who went when it wasn't your turn and somebody honks on the horn and gets mad at you and <laughs> it's because you didn't see them maybe or because you mm-hmm. were in a hurry or whatever reason. And so you can come up with a thousand excuses as to why they should not get mad at you for that. <laughs> but then if somebody cuts you off, you're the one hon- honking on your horn, right? Because because it's fine if you have the excuses, but it's right. hard to see, to put yourself in those shoes, like, oh, maybe they were in a hurry, or maybe they didn't see me, or maybe they, you know, who knows what could be happening in a person's life that causes something, right? I learned this oh. in in retail. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. I think I talked about this last week or maybe on a different week of the podcast, but you know, when people come up the, to the deli counter and want like a pound of ham and sometimes they would, you know, you have customers who are just really angry and I would, I would try to remind myself one, they're not angry at me generally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they could have been if I did something mean or rude or whatever, but generally speaking, if I just, hi, what can I help you with today? They're not mad at me yet. Okay. Mm-hmm. But they might come to that counter mad already from a situation that happens. And they're not mad about the ham, right? It's not about the ham either. We found out we had one one customer one time who was a regular customer. She always came in once a week, got the same thing, and came in and one of the crew was was helping her out and she was she was very rude and was very angry. Ended up getting something that wasn't her usual thing. And so anyway, just left. It was a very weird thing. Like the staff member was hurt because like she had been yelled at for a sense, ostensibly no reason whatsoever. Well, the lady came in later on that week and apologized profusely. But she said when just before I had come in to go shopping, I had had to put my dog down. Mm -hmm. She goes. And so I was in that state of of mindset and she goes, and, you know, I would always get this ham for my dog. And so when you said, do you want the regular ham? I got mad because I didn't know how to deal with the emotions of the fact that I just put my dog down. Now, that was pretty awesome that she had the wherewithal to come back later and apologize, right? But that, that just goes to show that what we are seeing of people people's actions, people's reactions. It's hard to, it's really easy to make assumptions, right? Uh It's really hard to take a pause and say, what more is going on? I'm, um, I'm doing a pre-marriage counseling with a couple in our church that's about to get married. And uh, we're on the section of um, meaning what you say and knowing what you hear, you know, and, you know, part of the thing that we're talking about divorce and they said the number and the top three things of divorce, one is adultery and infidelity. The second is money, but the third is lack of communication. Right. When you start to assume what the other person's thinking or saying or feeling or what they mean when they say this, or you think they should know if I say I'm fine, <laughs> that I'm not fine and should know why I'm not fine. And right. then they don't because who can do that? And then we get mad, you know, but that kind of, um, that kind of thing, you know, yeah. that communication breakdown when, uh, just say what you mean and hear what is being said. Right. Right. Easier said than and done. It is so like, and you know, I'm going to the couple and they're like, we already do that. And I was like, no, you don't. And I, <laughs> or maybe you do now because you're like, you know, young and in love and you're working really hard at it. Um, yeah. but there'll come a day. <laughs> right. Well, even, you know, it doesn't even matter if you're married. I mean, just yeah, saying what you mean and mean what you say and hearing what is said for just regular relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Between coworkers, between friends, between random strangers at the store, at, you know, wherever you are, we equivocate a lot. We, we make, we tailor our speech 
Um, and and while that can be helpful in certain areas, if if you're trying to, you know, be gentle about something with somebody, but it it's not helpful if you're trying to avoid truth. You know, but but in this case, you have a son who has who really just came home because he was hungry. But a father who didn't care why he came home, just that he did and said, yeah, and, go ahead. Oh, sorry. And I think this is maybe the, one of the first times when the son is realizing the father's depth of love for him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And can see it from, oh my gosh, he just, because I, I would venture to guess if this were happening in real life, that the villagers are on their way. They saw him too mm-hmm. after the dad starts mm-hmm. racing for his son and they're ready. They're like, yeah, we're going to get this guy. We're how dare he, he has made an embarrassment of his dad, his family. We're going to mm-hmm. cut him off from this village as we rightfully should do. Yeah. And the dad steps in and says, cause then it, cause it keeps like the dad steps in and does not allow the village to do what the village should do according to their cultural, um, situation parties just make things better that's what i'm learning from this when in doubt <laughs> when in doubt party. throw a party <laughs> there you go there you go oh there's so much stuff here but hey it's um we haven't been talking very long but i know that you've got a bunch of stuff and i've got a bunch of stuff um so why don't we stop here because i think next week we can then talk about the the rest of the restoration that the father makes for the son and then the older son how he gets into the picture and but um just friends be encouraged to to be open with people and and to grace goes a long way right when you can show grace to people to understand that you don't always know all of the what's happening in the world for someone right and just have grace to say maybe that came from a place that it it wasn't intended they were just mm-hmm. you know in that moment frustrated or in that moment angry or in that moment like because we've i guarantee that every single person listening to this you and i we've all said things in a moment rashly mm-hmm. and we regret the the speech that's why james talks about the taming of the tongue right like we've tamed wild animals Little tiny <laughs> rudders can make big ships run, but we can't get this tongue in our mouth to be tamed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but just to have the grace to to understand that some people lack the maturity to be able to see outside of their own sphere, and to have that has nothing to do with age either. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, you can you can self awareness, yeah. <laughs> but also might I encourage people to attempt to get mature in those areas right how can you better see you know from other people's perspective how can you you know take a step back and be like okay what what might be going on under the surface um can i um i was listening to a a brief like you know those little little videos on facebook or whatever and this this one guy was talking about um confrontation and how confrontation takes two people Right. Mm -hmm. So if you are in a, in a situation where you don't, you're not going to, you don't want to engage in that confrontation because it's going to escalate. He said, one of the best things you can do is take a really deep breath 
or maybe even two. Like somebody saw, uh-huh. says something just attacking at you. And instead of coming right back at them with the same volume and intensity, that you just take a nice deep breath. And and get your heart back down to a regular, you know, point. Yeah. And one of the best advice I ever got, um, you know, was just very, very few, if ever will you meet a person who is intentionally trying to tick you off right (laughs) because people don't think about you that much right (laughs) right yeah that goes back to that it's not about you you know people don't make stupid decisions on purpose they didn't do it just to upset you right (laughs) you know it might have been the bad decision might have been the wrong one might have actually really made you mad very very unlikely that that was their going into intention Right. It happens rarely. But again, if we're going back to the story of the prodigal son, his intention was not to hurt his dad. I don't mm-hmm. think. I don't think. It might have been to hurt his brother. I don't know. But it definitely was just, I want out. Give me mm-hmm. the money to do that. Like, I just, I, I want. Hold on, Terrell. What? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I said, yeah, get me out of this podunk town. Right. He wants you feeling a little like Belle from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Must be more than this provincial life. Oh, man. Now I'm going to start singing Beauty and the Beast for the rest of the day. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, I like in Beauty and the Beast? I want the library. I want the library. That's a nice library. Anyway, I think, I think you've be- got some... Uh, final thoughts there right you got any more oh it was just about beauty and the beast <laughs> beauty and the beast and my son saying how many years until she got beheaded in the french revolution but good question anyway that's not important to the, <laughs> this podcast but good on you for studying your history uh, <laughs> final that's thoughts awesome. on the prodigal son uh, <laughs> Are you breaking up? Um, It's glitched on me for a second. But my final thoughts on the prodigal son were um, the father loved despite what people thought about it. Yeah. And and his idea of restoration was not dependent on other voices. Ooh, yeah. What mattered to him was the relationship with his with his son. Right. Um, And I think that's good to remember, especially in the analogy of who God is to us. God saves who he saves. And we don't. You know. We, we don't get to decide who is. Uh, at the party. You know. Right. One. Well, and, and just like. So there's so many other parables that talk about the generosity. Of the father. I think of the one of the workers. Where he goes at the beginning of the day. And gets him. You know out into his vineyard. And he's agrees to pay him a denarius. He goes again at 10 and again at noon and again at three and again at five and goes and pays the workers. Um, and the ones that worked only an hour, cause they usually work six to six. Um, mm-hmm. He paid them a denarius. And so the folks who were there first thing in the morning are like, Oh man, if he paid the guys that worked only one hour, a denarius, he'll, he'll pay us more. Cause we worked all day and, mm-hmm. he, and they get there and they pay him the same. And they're like, wait a second. Like we worked 12 hours in the heat of the day, like toiled hard. And these guys 
who worked only an hour got the same amount of money as us. And what's what's interesting about that story is that when they agreed to work at 6 a.m., they agreed for a denarius. They got what they signed on to get. And so they're mad because the master of the of the farmland here, the the guy who has hired them, is generous. And you know, God is generous. And it would be easy for us to get cranky about his generosity to people that we might see don't deserve it. Right. That's part of the, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that next week with the older son. He's mad. The father's yeah. generosity with his brother um, that he feels doesn't deserve it. So the fact is that God sees people differently than we do. Mm. Um, so right now I'm listening through the gospels um, very quickly. So I'm getting kind of a bigger picture like an upper view of the gospels. But one of the things that is again and again and again across the gospels is the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And the upside down kingdom. And so I think of, you know, folks who come to the Salvation Army or folks who come um, to churches who have had a rough go of life. Sometimes from their own doings, sometimes because life dealt them a poor hand, sometimes because um, disaster befell them without their, you know, doing anything to cause it. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think of those in our world are considered the least, right? The last, Mm -hmm. they're the ones who aren't picked for the team as it were. And yet in God's kingdom, they're going to be first. Mm-hmm. Wild. Yeah. And I, yeah, we run across that sometimes, but by, by the, you know, like we talked about God, someone had to invite us in at one point too. True story. Somebody had the patience <laughs> with both of us. So that's right. Remember friends, uh, God blesses us. Why? So we can be a blessing to others. We'll catch you guys next time.